All right, thank you guys. Hey, morning, everybody. Happy Easter morning. It's a good thing, right? Uh, I'm going to absolutely destroy Bill next week, just for the record. Actually, my confidence is really low on that, you guys. He's, I, he actually has beat me a few times now, and I'm starting to question myself, but next week I'm hoping to turn it around. I ha- I'm so glad you're here because I had this awful dream this week. Uh, I had this dream that I, you know, we prepare all the stuff for people to show up on Easter, and uh, in my dream, nobody showed up except for one person, and it was Bill. And he, I'm dead serious, and he sat in that seat right there, the front corner, and at 7.30, 9, and 10.30, he made me give this talk just to him. And that, so it was a total nightmare. If there's a dream therapist in the room, please see me afterwards, because that's not a good, I don't know. But uh, hey, before I get into what we're going to talk about today, I want to uh, tell you one more thing about next week. If you have ever felt uh, inadequate if you've ever felt like, how in the world could God use me? Uh, I'm just, I, you know, I'm so small. How in the world could God do anything with me with all my flaws? You're not alone. And, and we want to, we're going to have a series next week. Uh, we're talking, we're calling it This Is Us. Uh, and so it's just ordinary faith, extraordinary God, where God can use people, use us, even with a little bit of faith. We're going to look at some of the cases of this in the Bible that just blow your mind really flawed people that God uses. So I hope, I really hope you'll join us next week. The beginning of a series is always a great time. If you're uh, considering making a cent your church home, next week would be a great one to join us for. So, okay. So we're, we're celebrating today. It's like the best day that we can imagine, you know, that, that Jesus has come back from the dead. We're going to celebrate that, but I want to start by telling you a little story uh, where last month I got, I got a little ego boost. Okay, so here's the deal. Bill and I are pastors of a church with curtain walls, no sign outside, and we put our kids in the tire center. Okay, that's, that's so there's not a lot of room for growing a big ego in this scenario. And sometimes we wonder if some of you, uh, maybe for a living or in whatever, you know, class or whatever, you have to get up in front of people and talk. And you know, you sometimes wonder, does anything I'm saying actually matter? You know, like when people leave, like people get in their cars and go, hey, what did you think? What did you think? Oh, I don't know what I think. You know, like you wonder as a pastor, is what you're saying actually making a difference at all? Uh, well, last month I get this email. Oh, man. I get this great email, and it's from this guy in the UK right outside of London. He's part of a church there. He writes me this email and he says, hey, we're doing this big conference in London, about 2,000 people coming. So we wanted a speaker from the United States to come to our conference. And so we started asking people in the U.S., who do you know? And your name kept coming up. And so, uh, so we got on the website and we watched your talks and we just think you'd be perfect for this conference over here. Okay, so here's the deal. If this is my ego... It's, it's the little plane on the tarmac, and now it's starting to take off, okay? The ego is gaining altitude really quickly. I'm getting up there. And so the email goes on and says, we'll pay you $8,000. We'll have you over. It's going to be four talks over the course of a week. Uh, we're going to set you up in a really nice hotel. You ought to bring your wife with you. You know, I'm going. So, so but I can't act like it's a big deal. Okay, I can't like write them back and be like, yes, 
I, I got to kind of play this. I got to, you know, when you score a touchdown, you got to act like you've been there before, okay? So I write him back. I'm like, ah, you know, like, uh, I got to check my calendar. I hate to, you know, tie myself up too much. You never know when the Australians might want me to come down and speak for them. And, uh, but, you know, just in case I'm really interested, what would I do to take the next step, you know? Uh, so, so I write him back. He writes me back this email, and he goes, he gives me some more details, and he goes, okay, well, here's the contract. Uh, we'd love for you to sign this. And the next step is sign the contract, send it back to us, and then he says something really interesting. There's, he, he says in the email, there's this uh, law in the U.K., that if, you, if you're a nonprofit and you want to hire somebody from out of, the, out of the country to come in and speak or do something for you, there's a special visa fee that applies. And when you do that, uh, unfortunately, whatever the entity is in the UK can't pay that visa fee for you. You have to pay the visa fee. So um, the visa fee is $814. And if you could send the signed contract back to us and wire $814 to this uh, bank account, then we'll be all set to go. Gosh, dang it. I don't know what your mama taught you. <laughs> My mama taught me never to wire money to strangers, okay? So sure enough, you guys, dang it, I get online and I start, I, I type in the name of their church, which was hilarious because in the first email, the guy gives me the name of his church. He's like, oh, and if you try to visit our website, it's down right now, you know, <laughs> of course. So I, I, I type this thing online and sure enough, you can't believe there is pastor after pastor after pastor like, I got totally ripped off, man. I wired all my money to the UK and it's gone, you know. <laughs> you know, crashed and burned, huh, Mav? You know, I mean, just, you know what? I am happy being in a warehouse with curtains with you, friends. So I'm just telling you that right now. Um, but, I mean, come on, right? If you get an offer like that, don't you have to at least look into it? You got to, this was a little bit more sophisticated than, you know, the normal ones, but you got to look into an offer. If you got a, a letter in the mail today, let's say from uh, official, like, attorney letterhead, and it said, you got a relative or a friend who passed away, and I don't think you know this, but they mentioned you in their will, and in fact, there's a significant gift in the will that you might be interested in, wouldn't you, come on, wouldn't you at least Google it and, and look it up? Isn't it at least, if a great offer comes your way, is it not at least looking into? Guys, we're here, and our belief as a church is that the day Jesus rose from the dead confirms the greatest offer that human beings have ever received. The idea that God, this, is, this will blow your mind if you really think about it. The idea that God actually one day decided that he was going to come to earth to visit our planet. To come become a person, Jesus Christ. That Jesus came into the world, God himself. Not, not just a good teacher or prophet. No, that, we actually believe God visited us. He walked with us. He died on a cross. And he came back to life. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty amazing message. And he didn't do it. God, God doesn't do stuff like that without a purpose. Okay, that seems like a lot to go through. There was a purpose. There was a mission. There was an offer 
in that, that is made to us. Today, we want to take a look at this offer, and I just want to ask you, is it this worth at least looking into? No matter where you are, if this is your first time back at church in years, or, you know, you've been to church your whole life, today's a day to, to look at this offer again and say, where am I and, and where do I need to look into this? I, can I show you, I, I want to show you one thing Jesus said that I think captures the offer that I want to talk about today. He said one line that was so key, and, and, and Jesus was a master teacher, right? So he's always out, whenever he's teaching, he's using whatever's around him, and he drew a crowd, and so one day he's out, he's got sheep out around him, he's got a crowd, and he's comparing human beings to sheep, okay? This is Jesus' master at doing this kind of stuff. And he was saying, look, just like sheep, you've got danger. Just like sheep, you need a shepherd, and then he closes this thing out with this one line, and it's in John chapter 10, verse 10. Here's what it says. He says, the thief comes to only to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. I think this line, look at that line. I think that line captures the offer, the reason why Jesus came, died, rose again more than anything else. And that's what we want to talk about. Lord, help us to understand this. Help us to open our minds. Help us to ask great questions and not be afraid of any sort of answers. Uh, we trust you today with this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, let, me, uh, let me just back up and say a couple things first before we get into that. Um, ah, man, I don't want to offend anybody uh, how I say this. I think... Easter is actually, can be a little weird. Think about Easter. We are people that live in the 21st century in one of the most educated places in the world. We believe in science. We believe in technology. We embrace it. We use it every day. We have money and we have power at our disposal, at least in this culture, a lot of us do. And yet, today we are here and millions of people around the globe are in places like this saying that we believe that a guy 2,000 years ago died and three days later reversed that somehow and walked out of a grave. Can a 21st century person actually believe that? Can you, is it rational for us to believe that the resurrection actually happened. You know, the Bible, the Bible makes this kind of audacious comment. The Bible says that uh, there's, one, there's one line in there where Paul, a guy who wrote a lot of the New Testament, says, if the resurrection isn't true, not a metaphorical resurrection or just a nice story, that's a fable, this is myth. Paul says, if this actually didn't happen, then your faith is pointless, and you are to be pitied more than any other human being. Like, if the resurrection didn't happen, what we're doing this morning is gathering with some kind of, I don't know, is it a behavior modification program that we're doing? If God didn't really visit the planet and come back to life and rise again, you know, do we really have a relationship with him, it all, the, the whole premise of Christianity dies if the resurrection is not true. And, and so, uh, to me, it's like, let's just say that that gets up in our grill a little bit, okay? 
it's so funny when we get a chance to do, you know, Christmas, Easter. Christmas is kind of like uh, so easy in some ways to talk about. This, this woman has a baby, and it's incredible, and, you know, Easter kind of shocks us with like, no, we're saying that a guy came back to life again. This one, this requires a leap of faith, but is it a leap of faith that is completely without historical basis? Now, uh, let, me, let me make a little apology too. Here's, here, I can guarantee you this is true. Somebody in this room or you know somebody, some of us maybe grew up in an environment where you heard this story and you believed it or you went away to camp or, you know, somebody convinced you at some point that God was real and that the story about Jesus was real and you got excited and you kind of said, yes, I'm in. And maybe that was, you know, when you were little or whatever, your family of origin, your home church. And what happened was is you started off believing it and over the years, you know, life got complicated like it does and you saw things happen in your life that made you question and made you go, Man, if God's really real and really good, how come this is happening to me? Or if God's really real and really good, why do I see such a world that it seems like it is such a mess? Or maybe you started asking the question, this is a great one to ask. Maybe you started asking the question, is this, is this story really real? Or did a bunch of guys get together, the early church, and they concocted this story together, wrote up all these accounts, and in the end, we get this Bible that isn't actually what Jesus himself ever intended? You guys, those are fantastic questions that every person should ask. And maybe you started asking them, and maybe you went off to college or grad school or whatever, and it just fueled those questions. And what happened is you took those questions and you returned back to your family of origin, church of origin, friends of origin, and you started to raise those deep questions and you were met with lame Sunday school answers. I just want to say, if that is you, I am so sorry. Because every person, and if you, if you know anything about our church, every person has the right, deserves, to actually ask those questions in a sincere way and totally go after them. Man, you know, if you have ever been met with shame on that, I just want to say sincerely from the bottom of my heart, sorry, because our belief here is that, man, if you don't ask those questions, your faith ain't going to last anyway. It's so important to wrestle with that. And so I want to, I want to say that as a framework to say we're going to look at this offer that Jesus gives and, and, and say, is it worth actually doing some of the work required to see, is this really true or not? Let me, let me try to break the offer down to you this way. The offer that Jesus gives for us and whether or not it's worth looking into. Uh, I think there's two parts to the offer. I want to I go back to that passage in John 10.10. 10. Thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. The first part of the offer is the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. What Jesus is saying is that actually there are things in life that will drag you down the wrong path. It, maybe some of you are like, oh yeah, of course. But let's face it, sometimes we live in a culture that says, hey, anybody just choose your own path. Everything's all good. They're all the same, all equal. Don't get mad at me for saying this. I actually think Jesus disagrees with that. Jesus would say there are ways that will take you away from God. There are paths and philosophies and things that you can choose 
where you will wake up one day and be far away from God. And that's a thief. The thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. That there is a, a, like almost a spiritual death that can happen in us. This is, this is kind of a, a big deal. I, I find that my life is full of thieves. Can I tell you where the number one thief of my life is? The number one thief that takes me away from God lives right here. Man, I am consistently amazed at how easily I am dragged down the wrong path. Consistently amazed at how the sin in me can take me away from God. That, that word sin is just the idea that I am so willing to harm myself and harm other people in a way that God never intended that takes me down the wrong way. Man, I just, I have it in me. But the first part of the offer says, Jesus says, I have come to rescue you from that. I died on a cross. Gosh, come on. There's no reason to do that unless he is doing something significant, which is saving us from that thing, that thief that lives inside us. Um, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a couple letters today. So uh, I, want, I, want you to, I want you to remember these two words because uh, the, this offer, I think, can be summarized in two words. Nice. Maurice, you're over on this side, man. The first part of this offer, super easy to remember. First part of the offer that Jesus gives us is the word from. Can you all see that? It's the word from. By the way, if you're a high school kid, you could take a little piece of cardboard and go like this right here, just make a little curvy thing. You got the word prom. You put that on the front lawn of somebody you want to ask to prom later this month, I guarantee you they say yes, right? And I will rent this to you for $100. And it, she says no, you get your money back, okay? That's the deal. You got to pay for this building somehow. So, no, so Jesus rescues us from our sin. That's Friday. The Friday word is from. Maurice and I were talking about this saying, you know, it can be sometimes hard in our culture because we've got so much of what we want that when we say Jesus rescues you from your sin, it can just sound like, oh, yeah, that's nice. But I got tons of stuff going on and I'm pretty comfortable. So it doesn't like ring as much as if I maybe said that in a different world, different culture kind of thing. Do we grasp the kind of gravity of what we're saying? That the cross, that Jesus dying on the cross saves us from the sin, the brokenness inside of us, the darkness. Um, a friend of mine said this once. It helped me kind of understand this concept a little bit more. He made this comment. I just thought it was brilliant. He made this comment. He said, uh, you can always know the size of the problem by the size of the solution. Always know the size of the problem by the size of the solution. So let me give you an example. I have a Cherry Hall's cough drop right here. If I told you, I didn't tell you what my problem was, but I showed you this and said, this is the solution to my problem. How big a problem do I have? Pretty small, right? Uh, I got a sore throat, it's dry, whatever. Small solution, small problem. 
If I told you I need to get throat surgery, what would you think about my problem? A little bit of a bigger problem. What if I had to have chemo for the next eight weeks, ten weeks? You, start, you can tell. I don't even tell you my problem. I can tell you the solution, and you know how big my problem is. So what if I tell you that God looked at the world and said, I am going to actually need to visit it myself, live as a human being myself, and then I'm going to, this is crazy, let the people that I created by my own hands, I am going to let them take me and nail me to a cross. God allowed the people he made to kill him. Does that sound like a radical solution to you? Man, even Jesus, the night before he dies, is in the garden going, is there another way to do this? Guys, this solution tells you something about the depth of the problem. Jesus saying, I rescue you from that. That's, that is the first part of this offer. Man, I, even just that alone, that's worth looking into. But it gets better. Jesus didn't stop here. I think, I think for some Christians even, we stop here. We go, oh yeah, Jesus saved me from my sin. That's the best forever. I guess I just hang out until I die now. There's a second part of the offer. Put it up again. It says, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Jesus doesn't just save us from our sin. He saved us for something. He saved us for life. Life doesn't begin when you die. Jesus never said that. Jesus said, I, I actually rescued you for life right now. That life begins today when you follow me. And by the way, since I rose from the dead, I'm uniquely qualified to be able to speak to what real life actually is. This word, for, is the Sunday word. This is the word that we celebrate today. Man, he died to rescue us from our sin, but for life. There's a couple different uh, words for life in the New Testament. A lot of the New Testament is written in the Greek language, and so we don't always see like behind what they actually mean because they're written in a different language and they get translated. There's, there's a couple words that, for life that could have been used here. One of them is the word bios. Uh, you take a biology class. You know, you, you know the, bios basically means life that just is not inanimate. Like I've got bios, but like the mold in my shower has bios. Um, you know, the, the beautiful oak trees. You've been to California you've seen these incredible, beautiful oak trees. That has bios. But, like, if you take a rancid piece of meat and throw it in your dumpster, and a week later you go out and look and the flies have found it, that's bios. Bios just means there's life in you. Do you think that when Jesus said, I have come that you might have life, do you think that he said, I have come that you might have bios? I think the offer is a little better than that. The offer that Jesus made is actually, I have come that you might have, and he uses this word, zoe. Who's got a dog or a friend named Zoe? Okay, now you know. It means life. But it means a special kind of life. 
Jesus says, I am giving you life for a purpose. The mold doesn't have a purpose. The life that Jesus wants to give has a purpose. It has a meaning. It has relationships. It means that actually it's a kind of life that doesn't just stop at human relationships. It stops at a relationship with the same God who, had vi- who visited us. Jesus says, you want to have a relationship with me? That's Zoe. I made you for a purpose. I made you for a purpose, a reason to do something in the world. My goodness, as people that believe in the resurrection, we should be the people that are out there doing everything we possibly can at every angle to stop the things that we see as sin and darkness in the world in the most humble way that we possibly can because we've been rescued ourselves. We have been designed for that. A friend of mine, uh, when talking about this word life, his kind of summary of this, he's the smartest guy I know. He said this about life. He says, life actually means to receive power from God to do something in the world. Man, that's an offer. You actually have an offer on the table that says, I'll rescue you from your sin and I will give you power to do something in the world. I mentioned Paul before, a guy who wrote a lot of the New Testament in a book called Ephesians chapter 1. He makes this mind-blowing statement. He says the same power that that God used to rise Jesus from the dead, that same power, imagine what that power must be like, is available to you. It actually lives in you. Man, don't just settle for God rescued me. He rescued you for something. That's the Sunday word. Holy cow, I'm in. It's at least worth checking out, isn't it? This audacious claim that this man rose 2,000 years ago, if it's true, it has some pretty big implications for every human being and how we live. There's one more thing about the word Zoe that I want to share with you. I'm kicking myself, you guys. I'm never going to get invited to the UK if I keep making these mistakes. But I, I wanted, I, I was thinking later this week, I should have ordered four more letters. I should have ordered an E, because this, this, this gets Zoe. I should have ordered an E that goes right here, a V right here, an E right here, and an R right here. And we should have had that word forever. Because Zoe means life that is given and given with no end, doesn't stop, not just for this lifetime and not just for the next lifetime. It starts now and it goes forever. That is Zoe. And he proved it when he rose from the grave. And that's why this offer is worth looking into because, man, it means everything. It means everything for us as people. I want to end. I want to pray. What I want to do, Easter Sunday is the morning where you take a look at your life and you go, where am I with this? Is this worth looking into? Maybe first time back, church forever, first time period. Is this offer worth actually examining? I pray you'll at least look into it. You can take a little step today on that and just say, yeah, I want to check it out. Man, and for those of us who've maybe been around for a while, where, where are we not seeing this offer Where are we missing the life we've been made for? Or 
do we, do we feel so much guilt and shame that we need to step back and go, Friday, I just need to remember that I've been rescued from that. And, man, I'm still going to make massive mistakes. But there's actually forgiveness for that. Let me, let me pray. And I just thank you so much for being here this Easter. And I pray that this might have some sense of reality to you. Let me pray. God, you are so good, and we know, Lord, I know that every person in this room has such a different background. We pray, God, uh, today, and I, I lift up to you, any, anybody here that maybe would consider to take a next step toward you, maybe even for the first time. I pray that even right now, take a moment and just even say our first words to you. God, maybe it's just, I'm interested, or... What does this mean? I pray, God, that, um, that we would look at that offer that you gave to us and we would realize what an incredible love that represents. You're so loving, Lord, and sometimes I don't see that or I forget it, and that's part of the thief in my life too. So I lift up to you, my friends here, I pray today that we would speak to you and take that next step, whatever it may be. Lord, we love you, and we uh, give you today with great joy. Amen. Hey, guys, let's, uh, let's sing these last.